Happy Resurrection Sunday, church. So I'm so glad all of you are able to make it here this Sunday and all of you that are tuning in in our live stream, we're really excited that you're able to join us as well. It's a very, very exciting day. And of course, we're going to go right into the scriptures to know why we're excited. In Matthew chapter 28, starting at verse 1. In case you don't have a Bible, it's going to be right behind you so you would be able to read along. It says this, after the Sabbath at dawn, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went down to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, going to the tomb rolled back the stone. Before we even continue, I want you in the count of three to shout out as loud as you can, rolled back the stone. One, two, three. That's pretty good. I'm impressed. I'm impressed. And not only they rolled back the stone and then sat on it, His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. And now this next part of the um, verse, I want you to shout it out as well. One, two, three. Just as you said, the scripture says, he is not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. And that is why we're here, because Jesus is alive. Amen? Jesus is alive. And we know that we've gathered today because to celebrate this special moment in history. I have a question, though, before we even continue with the teaching. I wonder if there's anyone here that's ever been misunderstood before, ever. Anybody? I have a question. Uh, Wives, have you ever been misunderstood by your husbands? Husbands, have you ever been misunderstood by your wives? How come it sounded louder when it came to the husbands responding? All right, how about kids? I don't want to like, um, I know we have kids church, but teenagers and the older kids, have you ever been misunderstood by your parents? There's a couple um, kids that said no, and it's because their parent was sitting right next to them. That's why they said no. And parents, have you ever misunderstood your kids? So... Definitely, it's easy to misunderstand things. And I wonder if, I wonder if we've misunderstood what Easter is about. I really wonder if we've misunderstood what Easter is about. I know right now we're sitting down and many of you might quickly say that, of course, like, you know, like we, we missed a lot, a lot of people misunderstand what Easter is, especially the world. Because the world just focuses on egg hunts, on decor- decorating eggs, and doing things like that, and building Easter baskets. 
But I want to let you know, I actually love Easter baskets. And my wife told me she had an Easter basket for me. Thank you so much. Look, let's hear it for my beautiful uh, wife. She, she's given me a nice little Easter basket. Very crucial items inside. Peeps. Let's hear it for the peeps. Yeah, very spongy, very good. Little peeps. They're sour watermelon peeps. Oh, some of you haven't tried this one before. There's a little bunny in here. I actually love bunnies too. My, you know, my wife, she's Portuguese, and our grandfather, her grandfather, loves cooking bunnies. Me gusta comer el bunny. El for Portuguese people in the house, cuello, I think, I think. I said it right? I, okay, okay. Woof. Woof. My favorite jelly beans. White chocolate, a nice chocolate uh, bunny here. And what about these eggs? The, what is it? The Carberry cream eggs. And... and yeah, I mispronounced that one, didn't I? Uh, and she personalized it a little bit for me. She put here plantain chips, platano con ajo. This is a Cuban Easter basket. But there's something I'm a little confused about. What's this doing in here? Oh! Well... As much as, as much as I love this Easter basket, I'm going to let my wife go out. Jesus is going to hold her and she's going to spread the little gifts to whoever they decide. They might go to the balcony as well. But just want to let you know, if you're getting candy or anything, do not open it during service. This is after service. You could end up taking it. So she's going to be sharing some of the candy. Now, as they do this real quick, they're just showing some love. I wonder if most Christians have misunderstood what Christmas, uh, Christmas. Why am I thinking about Christmas? I'm thinking about Christmas because of all the gifts, probably. They've misunderstood what Easter is about. I know we quickly could say that, you know, like the world misunderstands what Easter is about. But what if most Christians misunderstand what Easter is about too? Because you know what? I wonder if when we think about Easter, we think about going to church. When Easter comes, that is the time to go to church. When we think about Easter, it's a time to dress up. When we think about Easter, it's a time to have your Sunday outfit all together. Some of us might have shopped yesterday just to get through today. You know, when we think about Easter, we might think of having um, lunch or dinner with our families. When we think about Easter, we just think about all these things of just celebrating the day. But I wonder if we've misunderstood what Easter is about. I wonder even today you're sitting here and your view of Easter is not the accurate one. 
Because even though all those things are great, and for some of us here, when we think of Easter, the major thing we think about is Easter break. We're like, thank you, Jesus. Uh, you know, Easter break, you might be off the week, and if you're a parent and your kids are home, you're probably not thanking Jesus too much. You're like, I wish they were in school and not on break. But pretty much when we think of all these things, not only the things I've mentioned about going to church, of course, dressing up, putting our Sunday best, spending time with family, and even enjoying Easter break. Even the egg hunts, decorating eggs, all the different things we said, the Easter baskets, all those things are good. But what if we've just completely misunderstood what Easter is about? I'm going to tell you three things that I really feel as though we've forgotten or we've not really understood these truths. Number one is this. The resurrection is not just to be celebrated, but it is to be experienced. Okay? The resurrection is not just a day in the calendar on Easter that we celebrate, but the resurrection is something that you experience every single day of your life. Every single day. 365 days during the year, throughout your entire life, you could experience resurrection. But for so many of us, if we've misunderstood what resurrection is about, we've pretty much boiled it down to just looking at it as a one-day thing, to celebrate pretty much an event that happened in history but we fail to realize in the Bible, it's an invitation to experience resurrection every single day of your life. And you could see it directly from the Apostle Paul. He says this in Philippians chapter 3, verse 10. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection. So here the Apostle Paul is saying, I want to know Christ, but that's not it. I want to know the power of the resurrection as well. In Ephesians chapter 1, starting at verse 19, the Apostle Paul says this, and doesn't just say it, he's saying this as a prayer. So even if you could imagine, the Apostle Paul prayed this for pretty much the believers to understand and know, and he prayed this for us as well to understand. In Ephesians 1, chapter, um, chapter 1, starting at verse 19, it says this. I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe in him. Now think about this, just to take a pause. This great power of God is the power to change you, is the power to transform you, is the power to set you free, is the power to give you peace, is the power to be able to flood your heart and mind and soul with his presence and give you victory throughout your life. So this is what he's praying, and then it continues. This is, what are the next two words? Oye, están durmiendo ustedes, ¿qué está pasando ahí? What are the next two words? The same, one more time. What are the next two words? The same. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realm. 
is the same mighty power. The same mighty power that raised Jesus from death to life is there available for us to raise us from death to life. And even here behind me, as a reminder, God wants to raise each of us from death to life. And the major thing is, have we realized that? Have we all this time didn't even realize that the resurrection power, the same power that raised Jesus from death to life, is available to us to raise us from death to life too. I wonder even at this moment, if you even think of your life, where do you see yourself here? And I want to let you know that you really can't stand in the middle. You're either dead or alive. You're either death is pretty much overtaken your life or there's life in you and around you and everything with you. So I wonder where you are in this journey of resurrection because Easter, as much as it is to celebrate Jesus, don't misunderstand that he was there also in the journey to pave the way so that you could be resurrected as well. In Romans chapter 8, verse 11, it says this. You could turn there. It says, And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. Now look at that verse. There is a very key word there. Very key word. It's not even a big word. Es chiquitico. Esa cosa es como de um, dos letras. Very little. The word if. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you. He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. So I told you that word, two letters, if. Is God's spirit living in you? Have you experienced resurrection power? Because you know what? This Easter could be very different for you. Maybe throughout the years, Easter was just coming to church on Sunday and celebrating a moment in history. But today you've realized that you've misunderstood that there's so much more to this than you even knew about. So that word, if, you could answer to that today. Because if you feel like God's not living in you, and if your life is not surrendered to him, that could start today. Imagine what an amazing resurrection Sunday. A Sunday where you decide, it's like, you know what? I'm not just going to celebrate Jesus, his resurrection. I'm going to also celebrate the fact that he took my life today from death to life. But that's a decision that you alone could make. 
And I'm going to tell you this. There's also another truth that we might have, have mistaken. Number two is this. The resurrection is a person, not just an event. So many of us, we see the resurrection as a moment in history, and that is it. But there's so much more, so much more. If you turn to John chapter 11, many of us know the story of Lazarus. And in the story of Lazarus, message was sent to Jesus that Lazarus was sick, and then eventually Lazarus ended up passing away. And then in verse 25, Jesus spoke to Martha and said this. Jesus said to her, he, he said, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Now, when you look at that verse, Jesus didn't say resurrection is an event. He didn't say go to this other place for resurrection or hey, that other person is resurrection. No, no, no. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. So resurrection is not a day in your calendar. It's not an event that we celebrate by itself. Resurrection is a person. And you know, even when he was explaining this to Martha, in the end, he asked a question. Do you believe this? And that same question that Jesus asked, I'm asking every single person that's here. I want you to imagine that I'm looking at you eye to eye, heart to heart, and I'm asking you this question. Do you believe this? And even better than me asking you, imagine Jesus himself, which I know through his spirit, he could ask your heart, do you believe this? Do you believe that he is the resurrection and the life? And this is the thing. Jesus is in the business of resurrecting dead things, okay? So if Jesus is the resurrection, if Jesus is in your heart, and if Jesus is in your life, he's going to transform you. He's going to change you. He's going to set you free. He's going to destroy those mindsets that you might have that are not of God. He's going to tear down those strongholds that have been tormenting you for years. But you have to have the resurrection in your heart. Now, as we continue skipping down to verse 38, Jesus once more deeply moved came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. And he said, take away the stone. Can you guys in the count of three shout that out as loud as you can? Take away the stone. One, two, three. Now think about this. Jesus is about to resurrect a dead man. What is harder, to move a stone or to resurrect someone that's dead? Jesus could have easily looked at that stone and just with a flick of a finger, just moved that stone away with God's power. But yet he said, take away the stone. And with that, there's a lesson in that. Jesus wants us to be a part of our journey of resurrection. And also those that are around us. If you know someone that's dead in your family, 
If you know someone that's dead, I'm not talking about being physically dead. I'm talking about spiritually dead, someone that's disconnected from God. If you know someone like that, you need to do everything you can to help the resurrection process take place. So here he says, take away the stone. So this, something that's really interesting too, it says starting at verse 41, we're going to skip down. It says, so they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me. But now this is the interesting part. He also said, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here. Take away the stone. It's for the benefit of those that are here to realize that they have to have faith that he's able to resurrect Lazarus. Do you believe this, Martha? Okay, if you believe this, take away the stone. Help take away the stone. There has to be belief, and there's a part that you have to play. And then it says, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And Lazarus was raised from the dead. And it's amazing because he had to say Lazarus' name specifically. Because there, he's like in a cemetery. If he would have said, come out, everybody would have came out. Everybody. Specifically like, Lazarus, come out. But you know what? If you silence your heart, if you silence your mind even now for a second, you could hear God calling into your own heart into the grave that you've dug within your own heart of your own life. And he's not saying Lazarus come out. He's saying your name. He's saying your name. He's saying your name, your name, your name, your name. He's saying come out. He's telling each of you to come out. The third thing that we've mistaken is the resurrection can only happen after death is certain. So this is something that's important for us to understand. The resurrection can only happen after death is certain. Now, right now, you might be sitting there, we're like, well, Carlos, that's common sense. (laughs) It's like someone has to be dead to be resurrected. You know, it can't be like, you know, like reverse type of thing. It's like, you know, death has to take place. It might appear to be common sense, but what if you don't realize you're dead? You need to know that you're dead to be resurrected. And some of us, we might not realize that we're dead. This is the thing, that right now, this very moment in this room, there's people that are spiritually dead. There's, of course, many of you that are alive. You're the one that has to look into your heart and figure out if there's death or if there's life. But just because of the amount of people that are here, it's very safe to say that there's people that have death. They're spiritually dead in their life. Right now, this moment. 
And Jesus is whispering your name to come out. But that's your choice. That's your choice to come out. And just to let you know, in case you're not sure if you're spiritually dead, I'm going to give you nine symptoms so that we could diagnose pretty much your spirituality in a sense. So that you could evaluate your own heart to find out if you're spiritually dead. These are the nine symptoms. Number one, you feel disconnected from God. When it comes to you and God in a relationship, there is none. Disconnected from God. It's going to be listed behind me too. Addicted to sin. Jesus is not the master of your life. Sin is. Sin is the master of your life. You feel completely lost, pretty much confused, not knowing where to go, not knowing where, what to do in your life. Just your life is filled with confusion. No purpose, bound in chains, bound in chains, spiritual chains, heaviness. You just feel like your life, you're, you feel such heaviness in your life that you all pretty much question it's even if it's worth living. There's people in this room that thought of suicide. Probably you've been thinking about suicide even recently. People in this room that pretty much just want to take their life thinking that that's an escape, but we know it's not. Feeling lifeless feeling hopeless, feeling defeated, completely empty inside? Let me tell you, in your heart, the only thing that will ever satisfy is Jesus. The only thing. You've been chasing after all the wrong things. Thinking that all these things are going to satisfy you and fill you. But the reality is that we've become so comfortable with death that we don't even realize that God's calling us to a resurrected life. And how could that happen? You know that what happens is that even though we're spiritually dead, we're on spiritual life support. We might feel as though that it might give you the impression that you're alive, but you're not. You might move, your chest is rising and lowering. I remember as clear as day when my dad passed away in 2002. Me rushing back from one of our retreats here and going to the hospital and seeing my dad on that stretcher in the emergency room. And as I'm looking at my dad, they were telling me, he's like, Carlos, there's no life anymore. Carlos, there's no life. He's brain dead. There's nothing that could happen anymore. We're pretty much, the machine is just sustaining them, him. And for me, when I would look at my dad, I, I, I didn't want to accept it. I was like, that can't be true. I see his chest going up and down. I see air in his lungs. There has to be more. But yet, it was the impression and pretty much the false view that was before me that looked like there was life, but there really wasn't. The machine was really keeping him breathing. And as much as that story, and some of you could relate to that because of maybe things that happened in your life, 
To me, what's even worse than that is those that are on spiritual life support. Because you're spiritually dead, but it looks like you're living because your spiritual life support machine might be your career. Just running from job to job, excelling degree to degree. You feel like you're going places, getting things done. Your chest is going up and down. It seems like there's air in your lungs, but you're spiritually dead. You know, your spiritual life support could be relationships. Just running from boyfriend to boyfriend, girlfriend to girlfriend, running around as if there's no tomorrow. Doing whatever you want, having all the pleasure that comes to your mind. And you feel as though you're alive, but you're really dead. Your life support you might be drugs. Your life support might be alcohol. Your life support might be meds that you take that you know you're not supposed to take. Your life support might be just running around and chasing after money wherever you could get money. Your life support might be power. Your life support might be fame. Your life support might be to be liked by others. Your life support might be so many different things. And even as good as it is to have family, your life support could be family. You're just going through life focused on your family, but yet you have no relationship with God. It might seem like it's okay, but it's not. Are you on life support? You know what? It's, it's crazy too because when there's someone that physically dies, we dress them up, we embalm them, we perfume them up, we make them look like they're alive in the casket. I really believe that throughout the world today on Easter, there's many people that are spiritually dead that showed up to church dressed up with the right perfume and cologne on, looked, looked very alive on the outside, but deep down inside, there's a huge disconnect between you and God. Is that you? See, most Christians stop at the cross on Friday. In their journey in knowing God, they stop at the cross. They, they love Jesus on Good Friday. Because on Good Friday, Jesus died for their sins, paid the price for forgiveness, and pretty much if you believe and surrender your heart to him, is giving you access to Father God. We love Good Friday. Love Good Friday. But you know what? We stop at Good Friday, and even though we celebrate the event of resurrection on Sunday, we draw the line there. We draw the line there and we don't allow God to resurrect us, transform us, break off the things that don't belong in our lives. Because the bottom line is we want to do whatever we want to do and use Jesus' sacrifice from Friday to do a license of whatever we want. But when in reality God is calling us to the greatest adventure you could ever imagine, but the choice is yours. Do you believe this? Jesus said, do you believe this, Martha? Jesus is saying, do you believe this? You know what? In the Bible, 
There's so many different illustrations when you could think about it, when it talks about life and death and things like that. But one of the main ones throughout the scriptures is baptism. Main one. I want to read to you from Romans chapter 6, starting at verse 4. It says this. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may have life, live a life, live a new life. I'm sorry. Verse 5, for if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. So here in this verse in Romans 6, it says we were therefore buried with him through baptism into death. So he's using as a symbolism baptism. Pretty much the moment that you go under the water being baptized, you're being buried with Jesus. Pretty much leaving death behind. You're dying to yourself. Through this journey, you're, of course, surrendering everything to Jesus, putting him in the central part in your life. And the same way that Jesus, when he rose from the grave, here through baptism, symbolically too, when you come out of the water, you're being raised to new life, new life. And, of course, here, baptism is an invitation for every single person that's here. In Colossians chapter 2, verse 12, it says this, For you were buried with Christ when you were baptized. Now with him you were raised to new life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. So there it tells you too, for you were buried with Christ when you were baptized and with him you were raised to new life. From death to life. Symbolically in baptism, from death to life. Of course, the choice is yours and yours alone. And you know what's amazing is that even though we celebrate today, Resurrection Sunday, in the Bible, it didn't end there, the story. The story continues. After Jesus was resurrected, he still walked the earth for 40 days, appearing to hundreds of his disciples and followers, appearing to them. For 40 days, he was around. And then on the last day when he ascended, he left us with these words that I'm about to read. Now, I want you to keep in mind, imagine Jesus being here for 40 days, and the last thing that he's going to say, obviously, everything he says is important, but the last thing has an extra sense of importance because these are his last words leading to his ascension. It says this in Matthew 28, starting at verse 19. Therefore, go... And make disciples of all nations. What Jesus wants, pause there real quick. What Jesus wants is disciples. Jesus wants us, a disciple is a student, someone that learns and follow and obeys their master. 
So pretty much here, Jesus wants us to be his disciples in our life. I have news for you. There's a lot of fans of Jesus. A lot of fans, fans, fans everywhere. Especially in a day to, like today, there's fans of Jesus. People that love Jesus at a distance, but when Jesus is calling them to a deeper place, they might decide to turn away. Are you a fan of Jesus? Or are you a disciple of Jesus? Because God wants us to be disciples. Now, continuing there with the verse, it says this, Well, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them. He's saying, it's like, hey, if you're going to follow me as a disciple, be baptized. Draw the line on the sand. Make a public declaration that your life is now his. That you're going to live for him every second of your life. It's not about what you want to do anymore. It's about serving your king. Here, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. To the very end of the age. When you came in, you received a stone in your hand. They gave you a stone. I want you to hold on to that stone right now. Wherever you have that stone, I want you to put it in your hand at this moment. Remember the story of Lazarus. Jesus said to move away the stone. The only person that could move away the stone that's in in the way of you being resurrected is yourself. You're the only one. You're the only one that could really remove that stone. You might be sitting next to someone that you know might be going through a lot too. And maybe you're there to encourage them and to help them move that stone away. But it first has to come from that person to make that declaration that they belong to Jesus. So what is, the question I have for you today is, what is the stone that's in the way of your resurrection? What is in the way of your resurrection at this moment? Because in a few seconds, We're going to have a time period of baptism. In a few seconds, there's going to be lives. They're going to come forward and decide to surrender it all for Jesus, decide to be baptized, and not only to just celebrate Resurrection Sunday as pretty much an event of history. No, they're celebrating Jesus as the resurrection devoting their life to Jesus and realizing that as they go under the water, they're dying to themselves. And as they come out, they're being resurrected as well. But what is the stone that's in your way? For some of us, you might be sitting and be like, hey, Carlos, I, I didn't come to get baptized today. I'm dressed in my Sunday best. I smell so good. I look good on the outside. But let me tell you something. What's more important, your spiritual walk or your physical one? I don't care how much swagger you have in your physical walk. If you don't have spiritual swagger with Jesus, you don't have no swagger. 
All right. So today you might have not come ready or planned to get baptized. But we have everything for you also in the back. We have towels. We have clothes. We have everything you need. We've removed every barrier to help you push that stone from in front of the wall of your grave, pretty much the cave within your heart that you've been in. But still, the choice is yours. What is the stone that's keeping you away? It might be fear. You might be afraid of what's going to happen when you surrender everything to Jesus. You might be afraid. It's like, oh, what are people going to think? Who cares what people are going to think? Who cares? It really doesn't matter what you think, what no one thinks. This is between you and God. You and God. You know, maybe, maybe it's doubt. Maybe you're struggling with doubt. But let me tell you, if you're struggling with doubt and you have to move that stone of doubt out of your way to be resurrected, you're making a decision to believe. Do you believe this, Martha? Do you believe this? You know, it might be pride. You might be sitting here, and really the stone in the way of you surrendering everything is pride. It's like, you know what? No, I don't need God. I don't need to take those steps. Those might be the voices slipping in your mind at this moment. Let me tell you something. It takes humility to decide to get baptized. And then at, at also, too, what another stone might be, Pretty much you're moving away the life that as you know it now with all, all of your pleasures, you're surrendering everything to Jesus. So right now, this moment, I want every head to be bowed. Every head to be bowed, every eye closed. And I mentioned before to hold down to your stone. What's in the way of your resurrection? What is in the way of you surrendering everything to Jesus? And are you willing to move that stone away? Because you're the only one that can make that choice. Right now, this moment, if you glance up, I have a stone in my hand as well. It's bigger than the one that you have. But it's the word courage is on it. And I'm going to lay it down here at the altar, mainly because it requires courage to follow Jesus. It requires courage to step out and give Jesus your all. I remember as clear as day, the day I decided to give my heart to God. I remember as clear as day, the day I decided to get baptized. And I know without a shadow of a doubt, I wouldn't be where I'm at today in my journey with him if I didn't surrender at all. Where are you in this journey? If everyone could bow their heads once again, and I want you to look at your heart, and you have to make a decision even now. If you know that today you want to draw the line on the sand, if you know today you want to surrender it all, if you know today you want resurrection to be more than just an event on the calendar, but to be a power that you experience in your daily life, if you know today 
even though you weren't planning to be baptized, you want to be baptized and make this declaration publicly. I want you to stand wherever you're at right now. Just to stand. Don't worry about the person next to you. Don't worry about anything else that might be holding you back. Anyone that wants to give their life in baptism, surrendering their life, giving God everything, not wanting anything to be in the way. I want you to stand. And even now, I want you to walk forward. Walk forward. And this altar is open right now. For those of you that want to be baptized, come forward, even now. Don't worry how I said about the person next to you or anything like that. Just come forward. Because this is about you and God. This isn't about anything else. This is about your relationship with him. And let me tell you something. Life is short. Life is short. You don't know how many seconds, days, months, or years you're going to live. And this resurrection, the promise of resurrection, is not just living in resurrection power today. It's about living in resurrection power throughout all eternity. Because we have the promise to be with him for the rest of our lives. So here, even now, the altar is still open. There's going to be a video played and a song, a song being sung. And while this song is being sung... I'm going to invite you to follow Pastor Diana even now.